0: Father, this morning we pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, for the anointing of God to come, Lord, to anoint your word, and Lord, to anoint each and every one of us both to preach and to hear your word, Lord, that it would be mixed with faith in those that hear, and Lord, there will be much fruit. Lord, we pray, Lord, today, Lord, for a pulling down of every stronghold of wickedness, every hindrance and every opposition that would come from the enemy's camp, we thank You today, Lord, for the victory in Jesus and for that precious blood that shall never lose its power. Lord, would You minister into the hearts of the hearers today a ministry of the Spirit of God. We thank You, Lord, we can say that You've made room for us. And Lord, we pray by faith, Lord, we would lay hold of that truth today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. You know, we finished last week with just drawing with joy the draw from the wells of salvation. And this morning I want to speak just about this warfare, the warfare at the well, the warfare at the well. You know, there's a, a wonderful account in John chapter 5 of the Lord coming to a pool. It was called Bethesda. And there was a tradition there that an angel would come down on a yearly basis, stir the waters of the pool. The pool was surrounded by people who were lame and broken, had no hope, no help. And uh, they would gather around this pool. And in that tradition, the first that would get into the pool after the waters were stirred, then they would be healed and delivered. And Jesus came by that way one day. And there was a man lying there, and they were all gathered around and the Lord said, "I'm just paraphrasing. What about you? Will you get in?" And the man said, "Well, I have no one. I have nobody to help me. I have no one to help me." And the Lord just looked at him and said, "Rise up and go." In that very same moment, that man rose up and he went. See, the answer is not in the trying to get through the crowd to get into the pool. The answer this morning is simply in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no struggle. There's no striving. There's no fight. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the night is turned to day. He lifts the burdens. He opens the eyes. He heals the broken heart. And all the struggles of life, you may have come through these doors this morning and said, I don't know who's going to help me. I want to tell you something. All of our needs are found in one person. His name is Jesus this morning. He's your answer. Yeah. Whales Wells are very significant places, even in today's world, maybe not in ours, because we all have our water tops straight, straight into the kitchen or wherever else. But, you know, even in many parts of the world today, a whale well is a very significant uh, piece or place within a village, within a town. Wells also, we know even in biblical times, were the central part of a community. They 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 were vital to the life of that community for it to survive. It was a place of refreshment. It was a place where the resource of life was it was a place where travelers, if they were coming through, or herdsmen, they would look out for the well. And when they found the well, that was the place of reviving. That was the place of refreshment. This was the place to sustain life. Israel, even on her journey uh, through that great wilderness, the Bible tells us in Exodus 15 that they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water. God would bring provision and resource and life to them. That's the significance of Wales. But Wales are also in, tar- in in warfare. Wales also become the target of the enemy. The enemy would, uh, in a strategy against the trend, uh, move against the people. There, they would come and they would target in particular the Wales because no matter how great your army is, or how great the weaponry is in the front line, and we've even seen this in recent times with the the great Russian army, with all its weaponry, with all its resources, with all its weaponry, with all its tanks, but if you, if you distort or if you take out their supply line, it doesn't matter what they have in the front line. Within a very short space of time, those men haven't got the ability to fight the war because they become weak and they'll ultimately die. And that should remind us all that we must always be connected to the source, connected to what we need to live this life, to walk this life. And that, that source is this fountain that we've been singing about this morning, this wonderful Savior. The Bible tells us here that in Genesis chapter 26, if you follow it for a moment, verse 12, says that Isaac sowed in that land and received in the very same year that he sowed a hundredfold... And that is the blessing of the Lord on this man's life. God's blessing upon a life is just the most amazing thing. That God's blessing would be upon your life. And we're blessed if we're saved. We're blessed if we're washed in the blood. We're blessed if our names are written in heaven. We're blessed this morning. are we a blessed people? are we a blessed people? We are blessed this morning. And that is the blessing of the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But here we see that Isaac would sow and in the very same year that he had sown, he received a hundredfold blessing. That's that's remarkable. Not in any stretch of the imagination, I'm not a business mind at all, but I know if you put in one pound and get a hundred back, that's pretty good. I know that sounds pretty good. If you just take whatever wage you get this week and you just say that in that same year, the Lord will give you a hundred times that. I think there might be a few of you just walking through the door, just a wee bit of a skip in your and everything. This is, this is all right, this. And I know in the modern gospel, they've polluted this and they've distorted this and they've made it something that it's not. But I want to tell you, friends, the blessing of the Lord make us rich. And that's not just financially, but it can be financially. It can meet your financial need. It's your health, it's your wealth, it's your family, it's your life, it's your mind. I tell you, friends, there's not a price on having peace with God. You can't put a monetary term on that. To have peace with God this morning, to have peace in your mind. Have you you peace in your mind? Have you peace in your heart? It's just the most amazing thing to have the blessing of the Lord and in this same year, Isaac was, was being blessed of the Lord. And the Lord blessed him. It says in verse 13 that he waxed great. He went forward. He grew until he became very great. And when the blessing of the Lord is upon anything or the blessing of the Lord is upon a life, then the enemy is not too well pleased. You, we gotta know. I don't want to overemphasize. But I also don't want to underestimate. Sometimes we are maybe criticized for overemphasizing what's happening spiritually. And then sometimes we're maybe just not tuned in to really what's happening in the spiritual realm. And I want to really emphasize this morning that there is a spiritual warfare. That there is an actual battle. Right even in this room this morning, there is a warfare for the souls of men. There is a battle for the minds even of God's people this morning. I believe that there is a great conflict that that we are moving into a period of time. I'll, I'll come to it over the next few weeks, I believe, but as the Lord leads, but we are entering into a period of time of great turmoil, a great distress that's coming already upon the nations, and that's because there's a spiritual warfare that's happening in the heavenlies as we approach the end of the age. There is a great conflict. And it's against the church of God. It's simply, it is simply light and darkness. Thank God we're in light this morning. Thank God we're in the kingdom of his dear son. Thank God we have been redeemed and translated by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there is a conflict. And I don't want us to underestimate that conflict and, and, and negate it in any way because I believe that we need to know what's happening. And there is a warfare. That's taken place, and it's intensifying as we're approaching the end of the age. We're heading for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the enemy knows his time is short, and so there is a conflict against the saints, against the church of Jesus Christ. And as we heard from Brent on Wednesday night, but here's the promise, that he will build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. But you're in that battle. And there's a hundredfold blessing in Isaac's life that provoked the enemy. That the enemy was moved to try and stop or thwart the blessing of the Lord on his life. You know, it's so important just as we're going through this message. I want everyone to listen to this because this is important. You know, when the, when the, when the Word of God is preached, it's not so much the, the man who preaches it, but when the Word of God is preached, and when that word goes forth, the Bible speaks of it as going forth as seed. Now this is infallible, but as the preacher preaches, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And that goes forth as seed, and it's so important because Jesus talked about as the seed is sown, as the truth is proclaimed, as the seed is preached, the seed it's dependent on where it falls to what it produces. In other words, people can come in out of church every week, and the gospel is preached by whoever it is preached by, and the truth is proclaimed under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But because the ground of the heart is either hardened or choked over with the curse of this world, then the word has little effect in them that hear. Now I want this to be a church whereby that this is a hundredfold increase in the fruit through the Word of God, that it isn't being thrown to the side or fallen on hard places, that the Word of God has no effect in those that hear it. We want the ground truly plowed up, and we want good ground. And that's in the hearts of God's people. That's also in the hearts of God's people. Jesus said, those that receive the seed and the good ground is he, number one, that hears the Word, Bible talks about he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. This is not, we know this is not these ears. It's the ability in the heart to hear the the Lord speak through His Word by the Holy Ghost. He that has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit is saying, He hears the Word. And the second part of that is, and I believe there's a responsibility on preachers that they understand that, but it's more than just that the preacher makes you understand it. It's by revelation of the Holy Spirit that the Word that is preached, you hear it, but then the Holy Ghost brings an illumination in your understanding that you not only hear it, but you actually see it. I see what God is saying. I see in part, not in food, but we see that the Lord is speaking to us. So he says that those that hear, those that understand, which then also will bear fruit, there's actually the evidence, something happenings in their heart and in their life, and there's the evidence of that because there's fruit evident in their life. The Word of God is having an effect. Then it says it brings forth hundredfold some 60 and some 30, but I'm just going to believe for a hundredfold. A hundredfold fruit in our lives this morning for God to work. You say amen if you believe that. I'm believing for a hundredfold fruit of the effect of God's Word by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives this morning. That requires us to hear. It requires our hearts to be good ground and the Holy Spirit to make us understand and illuminate our understanding, and then we have a responsibility. We've got to mix the word. I'm just This is on the side of where I'm going, but I want you to stay with me, please. But we have to mix the word. Hebrews 4 and says, The gospel is preached unto them, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. There was no profit in the word, uh, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it, Hebrews 4 and 2. In other words, I'm just going back to what I said. I'm sorry I'm laboring this point. I feel this is really important of the Lord before we come to where we are going with this message. But you know, if you hear the word, but you don't take the word and mix that word with faith, I know it's elementary and basic for many, but it's so important for us all to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. But when we take the word, if we don't take that word and mix that word with faith, then there actually is no effect on on our lives. So we go the same way. And I want to just say this because then there's some then that just live in this constant cycle of, well, I hear the truth and I I know that's real and I know Jesus can do that and He can heal me and He can deliver me and He can set me free and He can do anything. But none of this is working in my life. I want you to hear me this morning. It's time for you to stop. It's time for your heart to be opened. It's time for your understanding to be enlightened. It's time for you to take hold of the Word and mix it with faith. And I want to tell you, friends, we sing that song, but it will be a truth. You won't leave here the same way that you came. You won't leave here the same way that you came. So we got to mix it with Faith. We have to mix that Word with faith. But there also is another very important part when we hear the preaching of God's Word. And again, I'm not trying to say this preacher. I'm saying anyone who's preaching the truth under the anointing, there has to be a hearing and an understanding, a mixing of faith. But there also has to be, and this is this is where the area of repentance is important, there has to be a death. There has to be something of, of, of us in that that dies. We've, we've, we've give these things up or we give these things over. Jesus said uh, in John 12 and 24, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, what happens? There's fruit. The enemy's deception is don't give up. Don't Hold on to your battles. Hold on to your sin. Hold on to your strongholds because it's not going to happen for you. You're not going to get the victory. So hold on to what you're battling with. And Jesus is saying, die to what you're battling with. Mix the word with faith and I'll set you free. But we're holding on. So there has to be a death and there has to be a repentance. I want to tell you, friends, of God, I believe, just this morning... Just wants to do a work in hearts in this room. And there's a great battle at the well. That well's Christ, by the way. That's the fountain. A fountain has been opened in the house of David. That's Calvary. That's victory. That's deliverance. That's healing. That's being set free from your sin. That's being saved this morning. But there's a fountain open, but there is a warfare at this well, just like we're reading about today. It says therefore. Isaac had possessions of flocks and herds, a great store of servants. Verse 14, the Philistines, they envied him. The enemy was against him. And so all the wells which his father's servants digged. Verse 14, in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped him and they filled him up with earth. They had stopped him. I want you to hear me. I just want to stress this. I feel the Lord really wants to work this morning. I don't even know whether how far I'll preach, but I just feel something of the Lord just moving. There's something of God wanting to to break forth in our lives if we're willing this morning, but the enemy had stopped the wells. There was a blockage. There was a hindrance. There was a stronghold. Whatever language we use, I know we have all the language of it. I'm not so interested in the languages or the labels or the titles. I'm just interested this morning in getting that blockage cleared. Just somehow or another, we just, you know, we need to get the blockage shifted this morning and the the river flowing. That's what God wants. But there was a blockage. I don't know what that blockage is to you. I don't know what... It is in your heart and your life. And it could be there for years, even decades. But in a moment, I know this, that the Lord opens blockages and the river begins to flow. they had stopped all the wells of water and they'd filled them in with earth. There was... These these wells were now compacted. And you know, the longer you leave a well, if it's freshly filled in, then it's not as compacted. But the longer it's been left, what happens when wells are filled in? And maybe after 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, there's a well up our lane and it's been filled in for about 50 years and that there's solid. But underneath all of that, there is the springing water. But it's filled in. And then it becomes hardened and difficult and compacted and it's harder to dig those wells and get them all back open again and get the river flowing and get the, the wells springing up again. But the enemy is behind this. That's why I'm saying this morning, I, I believe that, I want to be very clear, I believe this is a spiritual battle. That the enemy actually is behind us. It is the enemy that has filled in your well by the circumstances of life and that the blockage has come and the river's not flowing and the life isn't there and the joy has gone. And underneath that well, there is, there is a river and God wants to open that well this morning that out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus said, Abide in me. And I and you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I want you to hear this. Uh, For I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then these words should be maybe taped right across the front of this uh, pulpit this morning. For without me ye can do nothing. For without me you can do nothing when the well's blocked and the source isn't coming, even though we try to carry on. And listen, you're you're not on your own. Many of us have. i certainly put myself in that bracket. Maybe some of you haven't, but to carry on in your own strength, even though... Uh, that the well isn't flowing and the water isn't coming, but you're still running in your own strength, your own ability, because we know the how-tos, how to do it, how to do this, how to do that. There's something of that mechanical side of us that we carry on in good habit, of course, with good intention, but the, 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 the resource isn't flowing right up into the front line where we're, where we're living that life in the victory and the fullness of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, but we're able to teach ourselves and we do it very well to carry on in our own strength. Jesus says, hey, without me, you can do absolutely nothing. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? The enemy would seek to stop or thwart the blessing of God or the advancement of God's people by attempting to block their resource somehow or another. It, wouldn't, it doesn't matter, friends, how much apparatus we have, like that Russian uh, great army. It doesn't matter what they have in the front line. But when the Ukrainians took out their supply line, then it doesn't matter what that army is. That great army began to crumble. It doesn't matter how advanced we become, or how intellectual we become, or how technological we become. We need the river. Without the river, we can do nothing. We cannot bear fruit. It says there, then the Philistines stopped them and filled them with earth. I want to tell you, friends, this morning, I want you to listen because I believe this is a strategy, it's a satanic strategy. I want you to hear me. It's a satanic strategy. You might say, and there'll be several across the room, be saying, well, it's this circumstance or it's because of that. Is this is what's happened in my home. This is what's happened in my life. This is what happened in my workplace. This is what's happening in my body, my health. But I want to tell you something. There is a satanic strategy against the church of Jesus Christ. I want to say it again. There is a satanic strategy against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to maybe become a little bit more personal. There's a satanic strategy against you. There is a satanic strategy against you. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you return to it and verse 11, Paul writes these words, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant. We are not ignorant of his devices or his schemes or his plans, his purposes. You know that the enemy has a purpose. It is permitted under the sovereign plan and purpose of Almighty God. He is over all things. He, Satan is not greater than God, but within that sovereign purpose, God has permitted the enemy to have a strategy and a plan, and that will intensify according to God's word, according to prophecy in the last days. That is going to increase. And it is increasing. Would you, would you say, amen, that that is what's happening? Our enemies, not people running up and down streets with rainbows over their head, screaming and shouting and everything else. There's a spirit behind that. And it's a satanic spirit. These people need saved. They need delivered. Thank God we've got the answer and his name's Jesus. But there's a strategy and Satan is seeking to try and to get an advantage of us. He wants to try and get the upper hand. It's like a two men wrestling that the enemy would try to seek to get the upper hand, to, to get on top, to hold you down. That is what That is actually what Paul is saying that if there was two men wrestling here at the front of this church and it's the one that's getting the upper hand to get the one down to weaken him in the battle. And there are some of you that the enemy, I want you to listen this morning because it's really important. There are some in this room this morning that the enemy has taken advantage There are some this morning, I know this is maybe not normal church life and we don't go this way, but we're going this way. There are some in this room that the enemy, you are saved. He'll tell you you're not, but you are saved. You love the Lord. You've been saved. You're born again. But actually but actually the enemy has taken the upper hand in your life. He's been given a foothold. There's a gap in the wall. There's things that have happened in your life and even in your heart. And that's where this is actually taken from. This verse is in the context of forgiveness and and unforgiveness that actually what Paul is talking about here is that I want you to forgive. There was a brother that was put out for a time. He was brought back in again. And Paul says, listen, show him the love of God. He's truly repented. Forgive him and I'll forgive him in the Lord. But listen, don't hold back and be in a place of unforgiveness because that will fill in the well and what will happen is then Satan's going to get an advantage of you. One of the great hindrances to revival in this land and across this island is unforgiveness. Not out there in the world because they're dead and they're lost and without hope and without Christ, but the unforgiveness that has gripped the spirit, the, the spirit of unforgiveness that's all across and in the church of Jesus Christ. We want the river. We want the life. We want revival. We want God to move. We want soul to be saved. We don't want to preach about what happened in the book of Acts. We want to live the book of Acts. Is that true? We just don't want to preach about the revivals of the past and tell you what happened and everyone get encouraged. But actually, the the acts of the Holy Spirit is, they actually lived this life. They did what he did. And greater works in this and it's number. They went down and did what he did. I want us to be a church that do what Jesus done. But Satan's trying to get an advantage And one of the great advantages he takes is when there is unforgiveness that lies in the heart of a man or a woman, follower of Christ, because of hurts, things that have happened. Listen, I want to tell you, friend, I just want to let you know into something in church life, in the kingdom of God, every person that is saved and comes into the kingdom, you're going to experience in church life getting hurt Would you say amen if you all agree with that? Should these things be? No. Will it happen to me? Yes. But it happens. Doesn't it happen? You know why it happens? Sorry to burst maybe some bubbles. It happens because you're here. And it happens because I'm here. Because there's a flawed side of us. And that's where the love of Christ will cover a multitude of faults. But we have to be a people that forgive. Forgive. We don't forgive. And put this into whatever theological box that you want to. I'm not gonna argue with you over it, but he says, neither will he forgive us. It's pretty serious, isn't it? He said if you've ought against a brother, is there someone that you have something against? He says, No what I want you to do. You see, this also hinders our prayer meetings, it hinders our prayer life. He says, in the context of prayer, he was speaking, of course, in Mark chapter 11. He says, but if you've got something against a brother or sister, leave your gift at the altar because I'm not going to accept your gift. That's what God's saying. I'll not receive your gift until you leave that gift and you go to that brother and get it right and then praise the Lord we're going to move on. So unforgiveness is a huge thing. I believe it's one of the greatest hindrances to revival in the church, particularly in Northern Ireland. And the enemy likes to jump up and down in the well, fill it in with a bit of earth, and underneath all of that, all that hurt and all that pain, and all those tears, could I tell you something, friends, this morning? See, just through repentance, and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm putting things right, that old well just bursts open, and the river begins to flow. If we would only realize the blessing And the outpouring of the power of the Spirit of God through forgiveness. You know, the greatest fountain that was ever opened was opened on Calvary's tree. And you know what he cried? He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. See that day, that fountain was opened. Two thousand years later, we're all sitting here this morning because that fountain washes whiter than the snow. Satan, and the language of his kingdom is, they did you wrong. You have rights. Anyone heard that? You've got rights. Thank God we have no rights. You have rights. This is the language of Satan's kingdom. Don't let them walk over you. You stand up. But that's not the language of the kingdom. For even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was revived, revived not again. When he suffered, he did not threaten, he committed himself to him that judges righteously. What an example. What a saviour. Lord help me to be like Jesus. Oh Lord help I'm not, but I do want to be like him. Isaac's servants digged in the valley. They find there a well of springing water. But the herdmen of gear. Now the enemy's coming. The enemy's come, but he's coming. I want you to hear this this morning. I I know I feel maybe a wee bit up against it, but I'm just going to preach on through. Preachers preach in season, out of season, whether you're up or whether you're down, whether you're in, whether you're out, but I'm just going to keep on going this morning. You stay with me now, but I'm going to keep on preaching because there's a strategy of the enemy, and if there's one precious saint in this room this morning gets their well open, praise the Lord! Has all been worth it. Amen. See, the enemy comes because here the herdmen of Gera, verse twenty says they did strive. That word means to wrangle, and the word wrangle means it just wasn't an instant trying to stop you. This is a this has been a battle. I want you to hear me. Friend, this morning, this has been a battle. The word wrangle means this is a prolonged battle. This just didn't happen for an hour and then it was all over. This was something that was going on for quite a time. There was a wrangling going on at the well. At these wells of, of living water, these wells were springing up, but here the enemy comes and they're wrangling with the Isaac's herdmen, saying, no, this water's ours. And they call the name of the well Isaac because they strove with him. This is, this is something of a great battle that someone is in or someone's going through and has been going through for quite a prolonged period of time. The enemy has come and he's wrangling with you. And as you know that there's a freedom and there's victory and there's, there's overcoming life in that well, that is all Christ. It's all about him. All of that, but in your life, you're not experiencing what we perhaps sing about or what we walk in or what we live or what the Bible teaches us that we're to live in. And so here we see the the herdmen of gear are striving. They're striving against the Isaac's herdmen who are of the promise, and they're saying the water's ours, and he called the name of it Esau, and they strove with him, and they digged another well, and they strove with them, and they called the name of it Sitna, and they removed thence and digged another well, for that they did not strive. And Isaac's herdmen here dig two wells, and on both occasions there is At that at that mouth of that well, as it were, there was warfare at that well. There was a there was a spirit there is a physical conflict, but I believe our conflict is a spiritual one. There is a spiritual battle. You know, we talked about the wells of salvation with joy, we'll draw from, but then I know that some left here last week because. They didn't draw from the well because there's an opposition to them coming. There's a pressing of the enemy against the saints of God and against the church of Jesus Christ and against you from coming to the well. The enemy doesn't want you to be free. He wants you to live in defeat. He wants you to live troubled. He wants you to live with habitual sin. He wants you to be in a place where he can keep on walking over you and wiping his feet on you and condemning you. But Christ died for you and Christ loved you. That's not what Christ wants you to live. He wants you to live a life in the victory. It's not a life that has no problems, but it's a victorious life. And so there's a wrangling at the well. There's warfare at this well. They call the well, and the names are always important, Isaac. And if you run the full reference of that through the Strong's and get to the root meaning of the word is, it means simply to aggressively crush there is a, an aggressive enemy to oppress you. Oppression is from the enemy. Oppression is from the pit of hell. Oppression is not a medical issue. Oppression is a spiritual issue. And it's from the pit of hell. And he was aggressively coming against Isaac's herdmen men at the well. The enemy is against you. He's seeking an advantage over you. By any means, by any ways, He's wrangling with you to stop you from coming into the victory that there is in the cross and in Christ. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And there's a time that the violent take it by force. There is a spiritual action. There is a rising up as a church of Jesus Christ. We don't just lie down and play dead. But actually we rise up and we possess in the name of Jesus Christ. We are overcomers and we thank God for the blood and we stand. Having all we stand up. What we have seen for years now is a a legacy and spirit that just fallen over the church and everyone seems to have fallen with it. I want to tell you, friends, the church of Jesus Christ is about to see its greatest hour. But there's a battle, there's a battle for you. There's a battle for you this morning. There's a battle for you. I feel the weight of it. I feel the burden of it. But there's a battle for you this morning, Saint. And there's an oppression. Can I also say to those that are not saved this morning, that are in this room? You think that you're just making a choice, what you're going to do? I'll serve Jesus, I'll not serve Jesus, I'll go out. I want to get rich. I want to have a good career. I want to do this. Can I tell you something, friends? On the outward, that's what maybe you think. Can I tell you something? There's a satanic power stopping you coming from the well. There's a lion's spirit that's whispering in your ear. That's an oppression. It's from the pit of hell. And it's against you to stop you from coming into the full salvation and the purpose of God that this world could never give you, but Christ will give you. But that's a lion's spirit. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood this morning. You know that. This is not a physical thing. I I realize that, and it's not even in the loudness of my voice. Sorry, that's my character that I maybe get a bit excited and start to yell and jump and shout and sweat and spit and everything. But that's just me. Someone else might be quiet, but it makes no difference. But it's just there's something in me. I know there's a strategy of Satan against some in this room to stop you from getting saved. And Christ is saying, Come to the waters. There's lies. There's religion. Religion's the biggest lie that the devil has ever sown, especially in Northern Ireland. That's the biggest lie that he's put in this land, Protestant, Catholic, whatever else is coming in my friend. I'm going to tell you, it's nothing to do with the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Come to Christ! But there's an oppression at the well. What does the church need to do? Well, we just need to carry on. No, the church needs to stand up and the church needs to fight the good fight of faith. So this was a place of oppressing, opposing. It's a place of deceptive lies. I want you to listen to me, friends, this morning. I want you to listen. We are too quick to believe the lies of the devil rather than to believe the truth of God's Word. Is that not true? Is that a double negative? But it's just, we know what it is. Not, not, is that not true? You sit and talk to someone and see the troubles, the trials, the tribulations. They're quicker to believe the lie of what the enemy saying and to believe the truth of God's Word. Anyone ever been there? God, forgive me. I've been there. I believed the lie before I believed the truth. If none of you have, but I have and the circumstances, the trials, and darkness, and sickness, and everything that's going on, and all of a sudden, you, begin, you find yourself aligning yourself with what the devil's saying because he preoccupies your mind. He begins to oppress you and torment you and wrangle with you at the well. And you begin to believe what the enemy's saying and not believe the truth of God's Word. But when you turn again to the truth of God's Word, you read, you realize then it's been the enemy, it's darkness, it's spiritual, but the truth sets us free. But how many of us, how many of us in re, in sincerity and honesty, not, not because intentionally, but we end up believing what the devil's saying. We believe his lies in our minds. That's the greatest battle for every believer that we have to go through. What's happening upstairs? People say there's not much upstairs. I don't believe that. There's a lot upstairs. May not be brains, but there's a lot. That's the battle there. That's the real battle right here. The mind. I want to tell you, friends, the devil's after your mind. Because if he can sow into your mind the lion's spirit and the deceitful spirit that he is, you'll start to believe that it brings you into bondage and into defeat. You're believing the lie. But I want to tell you, friends, Jesus Christ is truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's come to set us free. In a moment, he can entangle a mind that is tormented. The peace of God can, can come upon it. The anointing oil flows from down the head, right down the, the dress, right down to the feet. The anointing destroys the yoke. Yeah. But we'll go through church life. We'll go through church life. We'll go through meetings after meetings after meetings. We'll maybe even lift our hands and we'll maybe praise and we'll even enjoy the presence of God, but we'll go out still believing the lion spirit that we had when we came in. You're not possessed of the devil. Listen, you're believing a lion oppressing spirit. You belong to Jesus and the devil's no rights over your life. Oh, God, remembers we're so frail and we're so weak, and we're just dust. But he's so merciful, isn't he? Thank God he doesn't leave us where we are. Isn't it great he doesn't leave us? And so we see this great battle. And so Isaac's herdmen moved and dug another well. I want you to hear me this morning. The second well, its name was Sitna. If you run the reference in this right through, the root word of this name, Sitna, is actually the word Satan. It's Satan. That is the root word of the word Sitna. Satan's name, for those who don't know, but Satan's name simply means to accuse. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Who is it? That's him. And he's good at it. You're coming. You want the well. You want the water. You want to swim in those waters. You want the fullness of God. You want the baptism in the Holy Ghost. You want to live for God. You want to live in victory. You need a healing in your body. You need deliverance. You need all those things. It's all in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. all in him. He is the well of living water. He is the well of salvation. He's the answer, and you're coming. And then there is this, there is this warfare at the well. There's this great wrangle. Oh, it's it's fierce. And there he is. Who are you? Anyone ever heard the voice of the accuser? Anybody, any any Christian, is it only really me going mad or is everyone else going mad too? Praise the Lord, there's a few of us. The accuser of the brethren. I tell you, friends, I want to tell you this, this here attack of the spiritual powers of hell is fierce, especially in these days. It's so fierce. There are so many that come in. And there's so many that don't even feel that they can come in even to the house of God because they are being tormented. They're being tormented by the accuser of the brethren. That's one of his titles. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's what the Bible says he's called. That's not what I think. That's what the Bible says. He is the accuser of the brethren. And they're at that well and they're digging for that water and they're believing for those those springs that burst forth to feed their flock and have the blessing of the Lord and to sustain them in life. And there is this great wrangling going on at this well with these, these Philistines. These are a type of the enemy, of course. And they're wrangling against the people of God and they're preventing them and they're saying, You can't take of this water. You have no right to come and drink of these fountains. Who are you to come and drink from this water? You have no right to drink here. Look at your life. Look who you are. Look what you have done. Look where you're from. Look at your sin. Look at your frailty. Look at your weaknesses. Look what you said. Look what you have done. You have no right to come here. Who are you to come to drink from the waters? You know what often we do? We believe the accusations of the enemy. And you know what we do? We just get our little vessel, and we turn round, and we say, you know, he's right. And we tiptoe off again because he's raked up all our past. He's raked up all our sin. Maybe even the stuff that we've done in the last month. The things that we said or the things that we thought. And he's pointing them all out, and he says, you're not worthy to come to the water. You can't drink of the well. Someone hearing that voice? Someone hearing that voice this morning? Someone knowing what I'm talking about? Maybe one, if it's it's for one this morning, it's all worth it. Who are you to come here to feel unworthy, to drink from these waters? Reminds us, of course, the well-known scripture of Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And what it says, Satan standing at his right hand. What was he doing? This is what the Bible says he was doing, to resist him. I want to tell you, friends, there's a resistance in this room this morning. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the Spirit that's resisting the purposes of God. I'm talking about the Spirit. Sometimes we get caught up in stupid stuff saying there's a resistance in that person. I know the enemy can use people and demonic forces and come in through the... I want to tell you something, friends. We're talking about a spiritual realm of resistance. Resist. Let me tell you something. The last thing, the last thing in this world that this devil wants this morning is a saint of God. They get full of the Holy Ghost. They get all their chains broke to walk out of here filled with the joy of the Lord, to go home to the Reeve family, singing and rejoicing in their families. What happened to you? I've just met with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Walking down that path of smiling. Yes, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you smile, by the way, just to let you know. Just in case you didn't know, it's one of the things happened. because it's joy. I know it's an emotion to be happy, but anyone happy? Amen. Are you happy your sins are all away? Amen. As far as the East is from the West, Brian said it this morning, so far... And if all my sins were just plastered up on this wall this morning, friends, I'd leg it down Main, Main Street. But they're all away. You might meet an old mate now and again. He said, remember? And I go, no. But there's a resistance. Oh, there's a resistance. Friends, there's a resistance this morning. I just need to emphasize the resistance. Some haven't come into the water. Some have been close to the whale. Well. Some have nearly come there. Some aren't saved, some are saved. Some are saved, but some aren't saved and they're close to the well. I'm going to tell you, friends, it's not enough to be close to the well. You've got to drink from the well. There's a resistance. The Bible says, and I really appreciate this verse in Revelation 12 and 10, and I heard a loud voice. That's where I get my scriptural reference to shout. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, "Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night, and they overcame him. Would you say it with me? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Thank God for the blood." What happens at the well when we're over, when the enemy gets an advantage of us, we don't return thanks. One of the first things to go when the enemy has a hold or an advantage is we don't thank God. Why? Because we're living in such a dark place of defeat. We've lost the victory, we've lost the joy, we've lost it all, and so we don't feel there's anything to thank God for because we're in a place where the enemy has got us. I'm going to tell you something, friends, here at the cross, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. I love that. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. I'm going to tell you, friends, there's no record. There might be one in Castlereagh, but there's none in heaven. There's no record of your sins and glory. There's no record of all the deeds that you've done. It's all been washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you another thing when I believe? You know, in the Old Testament says that Satan went into the presence of God. But see, at the cross, I believe at that point, he was cast down, and he's no right into the presence of Almighty God anymore. But who stands in in the presence of God, our great high priest. Amen. And our names are written on his hands, are graven. I have a plea with him this morning. He pleads for me and ever lives to make intercession for the saints. What about McElrath? He's saved and he's one of mine. Glory to God and free. Yes. So that has no rights, so don't give him one. So what do we do, friends, as I close this morning? What what do we do? What do we do? They were digging. Are we gonna dig this morning? No. You glad? I hate digging. <laughs> I'll tell you, best man that can dig in this place is on Annett. I've seen him dig a trench down there. I'll tell you been straight in about three minutes, it took about twenty of us to get straight. <laughs> he can dig. But praise the Lord, we're not digging this morning, Brian. You see, some are so tired and so weary. And I said, now listen, saints, we're going to get up this morning and we're going to dig our way through. It's probably the last thing you can even think of because you're so tired. You're so weary. You're so battle-worn. The devil's just worn you clean out. You can hardly take another step forward. Imagine me standing here saying, imagine the Lord saying, no, I want you to dig a wee bit further. You see... There's a well's already been dug. There's a way's already been open. All the anguish and the shame and all the pressing and all the pressure. He did it all when he went through the garden and he went his way right up to Mount Calvary. And when he hung on that cross, could I tell you he opened a well that day that you don't have to dig for? That's pretty good news. Isn't it good news? You don't have to dig for it this morning. This next well was called Rehoboam. That just simply means the Lord's made room. Isn't that great? That's sort of nearly like running around the room stuff. That's like exciting. I don't have to do this. I just come with faith in my heart. I just come. Do what he says? Come and drink. Scripture says come and dine. Says if you're weary, come and rest. It's already been provided. It's amazing. But what you gotta do is come. Listen to me, what you gotta do is come. You gotta come. With faith in your heart, taking a hold of the word. A death to that life, oh Lord, I'm not I'm not digging around there, and I'm not. I'm not going to get into this fight anymore. You have fought all my battles. I'm just going to come to these waters. You want to know why? There's a vast supply. What a Savior. What an amazing Savior. Friend, this morning, just come. Just come. Come as you are. Come with all the battles and all the bags. Just come. Come to the fountain. There's a fast supply. Friends, this morning, this battle is over. I want you to hear me. There's some this morning. This battle is over. God's made room for you. He's made room for you. Doesn't want you to fight it. He's made room for you. Striving, the struggle, the battles, the failures, the accusation, the torment. See today, I'm going to lay it all down and come to the waters. Victory in Jesus.